today on Abounding Grace. I believe what the Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. And with all that we know now, there's no excuse for us to be lazy and apathetic with our faith. There's no excuse. Not only do we have the scriptures, not only are we born again, not only are we indwelt by the Holy Spirit, not only have we been baptized by the Holy Spirit, but, but we have insight on the prophetic end and we're just sitting on our hands, twiddling our thumbs, playing with the games of this world while our life passes us by. I believe we'll have be held to a higher standard than other generations. We'll be held to a higher standard because what we know. This is amazing grace. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us here at Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be along shortly as he resumes our series in Daniel. When Daniel received this prophecy in chapter 12, he was told to seal it up until the time of the end. While he wouldn't understand it fully at the time, the people living in the last days would. Well, here we are in the last days, seeking an understanding of what was written thousands of years ago. Isn't that exciting? Pastor Ed will help us make sense of it and then urge us to share the gospel with others while we have the opportunity. Knowledge in general will increase in the end times. And we already know, don't we? We live in the information age. And this will, the, the, as you are living now in the advent of the computers and the microchip changed everything forever. The internet, so much information available at our fingertips. You no longer have to go down to the library and flip through the card catalogs. There are some people listening to me right now that have no idea what a card catalog is. Things have changed so fast. You can test it when you get home. Don't do it while I'm teaching, but test it when you get home. Put a search into Google and sh they'll show you not only all the information, all the articles that come up, but it'll show you how fast it indexed all that information for you. Knowledge is rapidly increasing. We don't have, our parents aren't taking out loans to buy encyclopedias for us. <laughs> Where my, I remember parents had to take out a loan, this guy walking through the neighborhood and sold a set of encyclopedias. Uh, for those of you who go, what's an encyclopedia? Look it up. Just go ahead, go to Google, what's an encyclopedia? And it'll tell you exactly what it is. But it was the Google of our day. One of the first jobs that I got when I graduated high school is I was a 411 operator for a telephone company. And again, what's that? I'll tell you what it is. I sat in a room and I had a headset on and day after day, moment after moment, just the, they kept sending me, I would have, I would, it would ring in my ear, ding, 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 and I'd say my number and say, what city, please? They would give me the city. I'd say, what, what are you looking for? I'd look it up and I'd tell them the phone number. That's how you used to know phone numbers, young people. And then little by little, they upgraded the computer system and computer system before they eliminated that job. Obviously, it's not needed anymore. Information just increases and increases and increases, so much so that the, the information that's increasing and being collected is being stolen. Right before I came up to the pulpit, there was another data breach, information being sold on the dark web. 
information's increasing. In the realm of science and health, doctors and scientists are progressing more rapidly today into the realms that weren't possible even 10 years ago and five years ago. Building upon building. Some of it is very good in the area of disease and cures, even as we wait for some to provide an antidote or a, a vaccine or some kind of help against the current virus. But others are not so good, like cloning, embryonic stem cell research, how to improve having abortions and infanticide, cryogenics. The process for abortion now is in pill form. It can happen instantly. Euthanasia and the medications to help assisted suicides. And some of this progression is not progression at all. It's the same old idolatry and disobedience. But what we're seeing increasing in these times is absolutely happening right before us. Verse 5 now. Notice he says, Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who is now standing above the river, How long will it be till these shocking events are over? Verse 7. The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river raised both his hands toward heaven, took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. And I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. So I asked, How will all this finally end, my Lord? And he said, Go now, Daniel. For what, have I, what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials. Would you just mark that? It's a side note. It's a side note of an application. And you wonder why in this current time you're facing what you're facing. You wonder why you have such dysfunction in your family or such pain. You wonder why the finances don't seem to catch up with the bills and you wonder why there's rebellion and there's difficulty and you wonder why the, the, the government is making this decision and this restriction and this furlough and this layoff and this difficulty and it just seems so much pressure. While we don't know the exact reason why, we do know this. Many will be purified. God is wanting to purify our faith. Many will be cleansed and many will be refined by these trials. That's just an application. It's also in the end times. It's also over this time of the end and the great tribulation period and the Antichrist. You go, this is not right. I don't understand it. But listen, the work of trials among many things is to purify you, to cleanse you, and to refine you. And you think about it. During times of great difficulty, we cry out to the Lord. We become desperate. We become just, we're, we come to that knowledge of our inability and our, our, our lack of ability and our lack of wisdom and, and why. And we cry out and we like, you can begin to pray, God, where are you purifying in my life? I want to know. What are you wanting to cleanse out of my life? God, I want to know. What, what is it that you want to refine me? And, you know, the refinement process with, with meadows is to make it more pure, to take away the impurities. And God will use trials to take away the impurities unless, listen, this is, this is very important, unless the impurities in your life are your idol. And if the impurities in your life are your idol, you're going to prolong the trial because you won't let go. You like your idol. Maybe idolatry for you is money and career and success. And God wants to purify that from you. He wants to use you to help and to serve. But you hold on. You're not letting go. Prolong your trial. Perhaps it's some sinful issues in your life, maybe immorality, 
And God's wanting to allow, he's allowed something. And he's like, I just want to cleanse you of that. I want to cleanse your mind. I want to cleanse your past. I want to cleanse your future. So I've allowed trial. I've allowed it to be exposed. I've allowed you to, to hurt. I've allowed you to cry. I've allowed you, yeah, and you're like, well, unless, unless, you know, pornography, unless sexual sin, unless that stuff is your idol, and then you won't let go, and you're going to prolong your trial. It's going to get worse, not better. And God is wanting to purify you and refine you. He's wanting to bring about a change in you. He wants to bring purity. And it goes along with a heart for the return of the Lord. Because the, the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church is the blessed hope of the church. It is a blessed hope. And in that blessed hope, it brings a purity. Just the hope of the return of Christ brings a purity. Unless you don't really care if the return of the Lord comes back. And now you're going to increase your trial. And then when you increase your trial, you get mad at God. When you get mad at God, your pride is inflamed. And when you're the master and you create the idols, then, you know, your idols are just images of you. They just are controlled by you. And when you dismiss and take the place, when I take the place of God, then I become prideful. So even someone going, hey, bro, I think, uh, I think God's doing all the work in your life. You know, what's going on? Oh, nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, but like, it really looks like, like you are miserable and you're it really, look, and, and just a friend that comes to me, just someone that's close to you that you trust in your life, they come and go, hey, I think such and such. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Prolong your trial because God values humility, brokenness, surrender, and repentance. So just look, These are, this is just some of the work. Many are going to be purified, cleansed, and refined by trials. But the wicked, it says, verse 10, will continue in their wickedness. And none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Only those that are wise. And they already said up in verse 3, those who are wise will shine bright like the sky. Well, those that are wise will know what it means. And this is a very specific time period, Daniel is writing, with a very specific people. In the end times... The center of attraction is Israel, Jerusalem. That's the epicenter. The United States of America is not the epicenter. Russia is not the epicenter. Iran and Iraq, they are not the epicenter of end time events. Pay attention to what's happening in Israel. Subscribe on Twitter to Israel newspapers. Get in your feed information that's flowing from Israel. Pay attention to what's happening in Israel. That small area of land where our Messiah walked and where our Messiah will return is the most important piece of real estate in the world. Save, save, save. So when the doors open up to go back to Israel, come with us. See it with your own eyes. You think the Bible is not real? I will take you to places where you will open up the Bible and you will look at your feet and you go, I'm here. I'm standing right where it was. Even in my mind today, I was thinking of Qumran at the cave that they found. I could picture it in my mind where the, the shepherd boy found the scrolls and then coming back down for the tour where the whole group of Essenes were living. You want to be, you know, I know not everybody can go to Israel. You'll end up in Israel one way or the other, okay? Don't worry about it. But if you can go now, it's worth it. You're investing in yourself. You're investing in your faith. Oh, I know you don't need to see things to, to have faith. I know. But every once in a while, God lets you see things that build your faith. <laughs> he lets you experience things that build your faith. <laughs> and when the doors open up for Israel again, I don't know if we're going to go in 21 or, 21 or 22. I'm not sure. We're planning right now. We're getting all the information. We'll have a meeting to see. And then we'll get a group together. And hopefully the Lord will take us. You'll be there. 
the epicenter of the, of the God's prophetic time clock is Israel. And you know, things haven't looked good for Israel since the time of Babylon. The Jewish people, the followers of God, have suffered consequence after consequence after consequence. And in 586 BC, when the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem and took many captive, the Jews have been crying out for that land for a long time. And then 1948, hope came to the Jews once again as David Ben-Gurion announced that a nation called Israel had been born, or you could say reborn. And just the very existence of Israel fulfills so many prophecies. Ezekiel, all throughout Ezekiel, the vision of the dry bones. Can those dry bones live again, Ezekiel? Yes, they can. They're there right now. And Jews are continuing to return to the land of Israel by the thousands. God is calling them home in these last days. It hasn't stopped. And the end times requires Israel to occupy that land. And there they are. You'll see it with your own eyes. And just before the end of the world, the Bible in several places says that Israel will be hassled and dragged into a war zone. And as you come to verse 11, it says, from that time of the daily sacrifices stopped, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped. There'll be 1,290 days, and blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. Now, this seems to add another 30 days into the prophetic picture, but it gives us more insight into the end times. What might happen into these 30 days? Could it be the judgment of Israel? Could it be the purging of rebels that take another 30 days? Could it be where God is separating the goat and the, from the sheep and how nations treat it? Uh, it just seemed that there's like some extra days there for what God wants to accomplish. And he says in verse 13, For you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And that at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. And the end is revealed so that there will be a blessing. Blessings for those in the midst, those who persevere, blessings for Daniel, blessings for those that read this, who God's revealed it to, those in the last days, blessings to us as we get to see God's prophetic plan. I believe what the Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. And with all that we know now, there's no excuse for us to be lazy and apathetic with our faith. There's no excuse. Not only do we have the scriptures, not only are we born again, not only are we indwelt by the Holy Spirit, not only have we been baptized by the Holy Spirit, but, but we have insight on the prophetic end and we're just sitting on our hands, twiddling our thumbs, playing with the games of this world while our life passes us by. I believe we'll have be held to a higher standard than other generations. We'll be held to a higher standard because what we know, there is, before we close today, I want you to go back to verse 2. In verse 2 it says, Many of those bodies that lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. There is a resurrection promised. This is the general resurrection, including all believers, Old Testament, New Testament, the great tribulation martyrs. You might hear them referred to as tribulation saints. If you're alive at the time of the rapture, the dead Christians who died before that time will be resurrected in their new bodies, be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. The second resurrection is those who rejected Jesus Christ, taking place a thousand years later after the millennial period, which tells us some good news and some bad news when we think of opening the scriptures. 
The good news is, is there's a heaven, a heaven promised to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. The bad news is, is there's a hell. As real as heaven is, hell, Gehenna, the lake of fire, is a real place. A careful study of the teachings of Jesus will reveal to you he taught on two subjects more than any other, two subjects that are not popular with Christians today in the United States around the world. You know what they are? Money and hell. Jesus taught a lot about hell. As the creator of the universe, he knew that hell wasn't created for you and me. It was created for the angels and the fallen angels. It's not God's heart that any should perish. And so Jesus warned, and he warned, and he warned. And I fear that some listening to me today are on the road to hell as I speak. Oh, Ed, you're not one of those fire and brimstone. Not at all. I take the same approach with the truth of scriptures of hell as I do with prophecy. I want to warn you and I want to plead with you. Hell is a real place. And I fear that some listening to me, connected with us, are on the road to hell. And even more so, some are on the road to hell and don't care. They bought into a false philosophy, a false religion, that if I've just come to a conclusion that I'm a good person, then God's just going to let every good person in. If there is a God, then he'll let anyone in. Well, what kind of God is that? You don't even let any, everyone into your house. How do you think a God would let everyone into heaven? You lock your door at night. So God's oh, not God. He just lets everybody in, however you were. No, no, there's a right and there's a wrong. There is righteousness and there is unrighteousness. There is sin that's forgiven and there is sin that's not forgiven. The gospel is going forth constantly, pleading with you, repent, admit. You don't really even need a pastor to plead with you because you have that sense of conviction that as good as you are, you know you haven't arrived. You have that conviction as you begin to measure your life that you're not a perfect person. They even make bumper stickers. Oh, I'm not perfect. Like that's an okay thing to say. Well, if you admit that you're not perfect, then you also have to admit that God requires, according to his word, perfection. So if you're not perfect and God requires perfection, where does that leave you? Well, I'll tell you where it leaves you. It leaves you at the mercy of God. And should he have abandoned you, you'd have no hope. But God hasn't abandoned you. And there is hope for you today, a hope of heaven. When you receive the good news that your sins can be forgiven by repentance, that you would turn your life away and admit, like, hey, I, I recognize, I recognize I need God and I want to be forgiven. He will hear you and he will bring a hope into your life. And you can live with confidence in these last days. And as we tie in on our time next time, listen, the hope of heaven and hell, verse 3, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. You have been put on the planet earth, every single one of you, to share the good news of the gospel. It is not something the pastor does. It's not something that people, that, it's not something that only the people that are good at it, only the people that know, yeah, I know that guy, he's really a great evangelist. You and I have been put on the planet to be the salt and the light, to be the messengers. If you don't share the gospel with your boss, who will? I'm never going to meet him. Most likely. Do you realize 
as, as much as I love being, being saved, I mean, being used of God, you impact people that will never darken the doors of this church ever. I'll never meet them. Maybe they might, maybe through radio or something, but I'll never meet them. You're with them every single day. Don't you think that's a God thing that he puts you where you're at? <laughs> Don't you think it's a devil thing to make you upset of where you work and upset with your boss and not mad all their life and just all upset because things aren't going your way and all the while your boss, as lost as they are, misses out on the love of God through your life? Look, you've been, you've been put on the planet for this, folks. This is why this, is why this church was birthed 20 years ago. This is it. You know, the, the vision of our church is when disciple and send. It's all encompassing. It's one life. We've been one to the Lord. We've been built up every time in a Bible study. Everyone listening to me right now is accountable for what you heard. And so now just go do it. Ah, but Ed, I'm so mad right now. I know. And you're not walking in wisdom. Yeah, you know, I'm just in the middle of a fight right now and I just don't like this and I hate this. I know. And you're not walking in wisdom. Oh, you can't tell me that. And now your pride comes. And the Lord's just saying, no, I want a relationship with you. I want to enjoy, I want you to enjoy me. I, I, yeah, but what if they, what if I get fired? Then, then you find out really quick, God didn't want you there. And I bet the job you have right now, you were looking for that job when you found it. And the Lord wants to put you in the right place in the right time. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use your mouth specifically to tell people about a God in heaven that loves them and a devil in hell that hates them, if you want to use it that. I mean, the devil's not technically in hell right now, but he will be for all eternity. And as you share, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it, but the Holy Spirit shows up and he gives you the words that you needed. As you're listening to you sharing, you're like, man, where did that come from? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not alone. It's not one of those things where you have to try it. You just have to do it, and the Lord will be with you. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, you have just released a new book called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Could you give our listeners a snapshot of what's contained in that book? You know, Larry, I can. The snapshot is simply this. If you're hurting, God has comfort for you. If your heart is troubled about many things, God is ready to give you peace. If you're uncertain of what the future might hold, I want to introduce you to the God who holds your future. And this book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, is seven and a half years in the making. Uh, It started out of a deep, deep, grief in my life after the son of the loss of my son Eddie. I love to say his name. I don't want people to forget about him. Uh, he is an amazing man that's in the presence of the Lord. His son Levi, uh, our grandson, uh, can't wait for God to work those things out. And this book was written not only beginning in grief, but it was birthed out of the comfort that God gives, even in prolonged trials. Even as, you know, whether your trial is not ended and it's just going to continue on into eternity, or if you are in a place where, you know, it's just everyday trials, things that just trouble the heart. Remember, Jesus was in the presence of Martha, and yet still he told her, you know what, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. So whether, whether it's deep hurt, uh, whether it's semi-deep hurt, I mean, what difference does it make really, huh? I mean, hurt is hurt, 
And if it's deep, the Lord has an answer. If it's not so deep, we're grateful God has an answer. And the comfort, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? So that we can comfort others. And I want to get this book into your hands. You, you got to get it. Get it for you, your friend, your family. Have it available. You know, with books like this, I like to get stacks of them to put in my office. Actually, I get two stacks, right? One for my home office, one for my church office, because this is the kind of book I give away. Um, this is the kind of book I want to put into your hands. Uh, this is the if someone's in my office and, and there's a great need, I want to put it in their hands. God's help for the troubled heart. We're finally finished with it. Very encouraged. I know already God is using it. And if it's in your hands, I, I know because it's so filled with scripture, he'll use it in your hands and in your life as well. We'll send you a copy of God's Help for the Troubled Heart when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.